And hello, everyone, and welcome to The Truth Will Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition. I am Vic Batista, along with Nathan Jones, and we're transmitting live from our station, 102.3 FM, truthfm.tv, as well as tweetcasting.tv. We thank you for being part of today's program. And, of course, today we're going to be looking at God's mighty angels in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 11, as we talk about rise of the empires. But before we continue, I'm going to ask Nathan Jones if he will open us up with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you for Daniel 11, which gives us so much insight, not only into the past, Lord, but the future. And we do praise you for that knowledge. And we ask that you will guide everybody who's listening. Open up our hearts and minds to understanding your word. In your precious and wonderful name, amen. Amen. Again, you're tuning to the Truth to Set You Free, Bible Prophecy TV Radio Edition, Big Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're talking about God's mighty angels in the book of Daniel, Rise of the Empire. And today's program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Ventura, Calvary Chapel Broward, and the Truth Will Set You Free. And you can find more information here on twave.tv. And of course, we're always looking for prayer partners. If you would like to be part of the prayer partners, join us uh, by calling us at 305-992-9537. We'd love for you to be able to pray for our ministries and the guests here. And of course, before we continue, I'm going to welcome Nathan Jones to our program. Nathan, it's great to have you back. Great to be on, brother. Uh, I'm just so excited. We've had a little hiatus, and it's, it's good to be back studying the Bible again together. Absolutely. I missed you, man. I mean, it's been a few weeks, but I feel like it's been months. <laughs> I have missed you, brother. I have. Uh, the, the joys of Thanksgiving also kept us apart. But I'm glad we're back on track and going through Daniel again. Absolutely. Well, it's great to have you on. So talk to me. How are things in Texas? How was your week? How was your Thanksgiving? Well, praise the Lord, you know, it's a good time to be thankful for all the Lord's provided, and uh, He's provided us an abundance of rain after a long drought. We have the wettest year on record now, and we pray for our brothers and sisters out in California that are suffering through such a drought. Yes. Uh, so, but how about you all down in Miami? Excellent, Nathan. A lot to be thankful for. We're very grateful. God has blessed us with our new location, a new station that we're building out here, so we're very excited. and. Uh, you know, Nathan, God is just so good. We live in America in a place that we're so blessed, and yet we find ourselves sometimes complaining, so shame on me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a lot to be blessed for, man. New building and uh, new location and radio permits, and uh, wow, yeah. Lord is just blessing Calvary Chapel Aventure. And new headaches, Nathan, new headaches. Yeah, well, those come too, sure. But <laughs> brother, I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, Nathan, thank you so much. Nate, can you uh, just briefly maybe share a little about your ministry and maybe some upcoming events so maybe someone who's tuned in for the first time would grab hold of your resources? Well, uh, I, I'm the web minister and associate evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry. Our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. And folks can find out about our ministry uh, at lamblion.com or christinprophecy.org. There we have a wealth of information. We have our TV show, Christ in Prophecy, which is hosted by Dr. David Reagan, who's our founder and director. We also have many articles, uh, books, resources, social networks, blogs, you name it. We have it. We want to teach you about the Bible and what God uh, has to say about the end times. Check us out, landlion.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Nathan Jones. And we encourage those of you that are watching and listening, grab hold of all those wonderful, wonderful resources. You know, Nathan, also keep us in prayer. We're starting here, well, like a year ago, so we've been putting together the uh, Calvary Chapel Bible Prophecy School of Ministry. And uh, now that we have our new location here, we're going to actually be offering actually live uh, classes here for students to be able to get their certificate. So keep us in prayer. We also try to equip the saints for the work of the ministry in Bible prophecy. 
Well, that's fantastic. Wow, they actually get certificates and everything. Yeah, that's we're working great. on that. So I'm glad to. I'm, I'm glad that I'm going to see you in a few days so I can pick your brains. You know, so you guys will be expert in Bible prophecy. Well, no, man, you you have a lot of knowledge info, and uh, I'm on TWave.tv now. Check it out where you put live programming out. So that is just fantastic. Well, Nathan, I think what Lamb and Lion does is also very important. Your ministry has been around in Dr. Reagan for over 30 years, and there are so many people that have benefited uh, from that, but there's still so many, Nathan, that they are not uh, too keen on Bible prophecy, especially pastors and leaders. So we really want to do something to help them get more familiarized and know that, hey, Bible prophecy is for everyone to know. Yeah, 31% of the Bible is Bible prophecy. God wants us to know about the future. He wants us to know what his plan is. And that gives Christians hope in the future because Jesus wins. And it also gives assurances that God is taking care of us and he has everything in control. So Ooh. I find Bible prophecy to be extremely important to the Christian's walk. Excellent point, Nathan. And, and you and I, every time we teach, we look at Bible prophecy from a the good news perspective, not a negative gloom-doom. And that's why people need to be encouraged and recognize, hey, Bible prophecy is awesome and it's great when you know, hey, what the Bible says the future holds, right? Exactly. exactly. It's very important to know what the Lord has planned. He wants us to know. I, yeah. You know, a lot of people just say, hey, well, I, I can't understand it. Or I'm just going to trust it all pan out in the end. <laughs> but why? It, well, the Lord has given us His Word, and He says that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. That includes the 31% that is prophecy. Excellent, excellent. Well put, Nathan. And that's exactly what you and I have been doing here, going through this series in the book of Daniel. Uh, and just looking at God's revelation to Daniel through his mighty angels and in a way to equip the saints so they can also see what the Bible has to say. It's in the past, in the future, and also what holds up uh, in the present. So, Nathan, I'm excited as you take us through this wonderful journey. And, Nate, before we jump into Daniel 11, there, beginning on verse 20, would you be able to recap for us just a little bit in terms of what we're looking at here in chapter 11 of Daniel 20? Maybe someone is new to the program. Well, to me, Daniel 11 is probably one of the most difficult passages of prophecy to understand because Daniel is given by this angel so many prophecies, actually prophecies that cover over cover 300 plus years. Wow. And what they do is they cover the events of the Greek Empire that's been divided into four regions. And you have the Seleucids, which is a, uh, the descendants of the general Seleucid up in Syria, and his dealings with Ptolemy, the general down in Egypt, and his descendants. So as the Seleucids and the Ptolemies, which is the Seleucids king in the north and the Ptolemies kings of the south, and they duke it out back and forth, back and forth with Israel, stuck geographically in the middle of it and politically, mm. and as they duke it back and forth, back and forth, Israel is stuck in the middle, and those are the prophecies that are being given to Daniel. And matter of fact, these prophecies are so accurately uh, matching what happened in history, that many of the liberal theologians dismissed Daniel altogether as being wow. too accurate to be in the Bible. They <laughs> say, well, Daniel must have been written after all these happened, but that is not true. It's been well proven, both archaeologically and through literature and all that. The book of Daniel was written during the exile of the Jews between 586 and about 530 B.C. And so all these prophecies given to Daniel talk about things that happen in the future to him, and then it'll skip way far out to the, our future. Excellent point. Well, and you know, Nathan, that's why we love the Bible, because the Bible is so accurate that some people uh, wonder, wow, can this really be so true in terms of what's going to come in the, in the future? And uh, I mean, we saw it in the regathering of the nation of Israel. 
that was talked about in Ezekiel, right, Nate? Uh, uh, I mean, word for word. And in our generation, we've seen it come to pass. Well, the regathering of the Jewish people a second time into the land of Israel is probably one of the most more prolific of the problems. You go all the way back to Moses, where Moses told the Jewish people, hey, you know, if you don't follow the Lord, he's going to exile you. And that's right. exactly what he did, and he did it twice. We read, of course, like you said, in Ezekiel 36 and 37, how the Lord would take a dead nation and bring it back to life again. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're seeing today. Since May of 1948, Israel is a nation again, a nation that hasn't been existing in almost 1900 years. Wow. And it's the center of world politics and will continue to be until Jesus Christ returns. So, man, we live in exciting times. Absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and that's why I'm so excited, Nathan, because here as we look at Daniel chapter uh, 11, uh, there, beginning on verse 20, can you continue to talk to us here? What exactly are we looking at? We see some rises, some empires here. What exactly is, is this here? Well, what we've got so far, again, is the, the Ptolemies and the Seleucids duke it out back and forth, back and forth with Israel in the middle. We're finally up to one of the most notorious villains in all of Jewish history when mm. we get to 20. I like the way you put it. One of the most notorious villains, because that's exactly what we're going to see. Uh, so, yeah, Nate, take us through. That was fantastic. Okay, what we left off was we had Antiochus the Great, and uh, he was doing what his thing back and forth. Uh, this is when the Roman Empire is starting to rise, and they start getting involved in the, right. the, the politics of the Middle East there. And uh, so we got up to, um, basically, Antiochus the Great lost, and Rome won. And what Rome did in verse 20, it reads, his successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. In a few years, however, he'll be destroyed, yet not in anger or in battle. And what Rome did is when Rome beat uh, Greece, it demanded that Syria pay a thousand talents of money, and the talent, the measurement of money at that time, periodically. So what the, they had to do is, is they had to pay a huge usury to Rome. In other words, Rome didn't destroy them, but they forced them to pay this huge tax. And so what Antiochus the Great did is he went back home, he plundered his own temple of Jupiter for the money to pay the Romans, and their, his own people got angry. <clears throat> wow. And killed them on the spot. Isn't that interesting? And, and, and I think you and I talked a little bit about this. It was like a little bit of a mafia going on there. <laughs> it's very much so, yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of an extortion thing. It's like, well, <laughs> if an army defeats you, you can either be totally conquered and destroyed, or you can pay a tax to them and survive. And, that, and that's what we're seeing the Greek arm, uh, armies, the Greek Empire falling. We're seeing the Roman army rise. And now the Roman, Romans have a huge foothold into the scene. They are going to play a huge part going forward in the lives of the Jewish people, especially when this terrible villain of, of Daniel eleven twenty one makes the scene. Mm, excellent point. Thank you, Nathan. And of course, and that's what we're going to see now unravel there as you take us through the following verses. That's awesome. All right, well, let's do 21 through 24, and now we'll introduce this great villain. Mm. The Titus the fourth Epiphanes. And it reads, he will be, he, uh, Antiochus the Great, will be succeeded by a contemptible person who has not been given the honor of royalty. He will invade the kingdom when its people feel secure, and he will seize it through intrigue. Then an overwhelming army will be swept away before him, both it and the prince of the covenant will be destroyed. 
<clears throat> and after coming to an agreement with him, he will act deceitfully. With only a few people, he will rise to power. Mm. And when the richest provinces feel secure, he will invade them. He will achieve what neither his fathers nor his forefathers did. He will distribute plunder, loot, and wealth among his followers. He will plot the overthrow of fortresses, but only for a time. Mm. Nathan, I love that. You know, one of the things that stands out here is the way that he comes about doing this. That you know, Two things that stood out deceitfully and then sort of like in a time of peace, peaceably. Can you talk to us about that? <laughs> well, Antiochus the Great's successor was a man named Antiochus IV Epiphanes. And like you said, he was a contemptible person. He wasn't a descendant. He had no royalty or honor. But he was very sneaky. You know, he right. was the sea. He knew politics. He was a, yeah. uh, uh, the consummate politician. And he rose to power through his abilities Picture the greatest used car salesman ever <laughs> in history, and that's the type of the fourth epiphany. As a matter of fact, even the title Epiphanies means yeah. great one. He called himself the great one. Now, this is a, at 175 BC. This is where I'm in the timeline right now. And as he comes in, a lot of people, though, even though he believes that he's great one, they think that he's crazy. As a matter of fact, they, they twist his name a little and start calling him the type of the fourth Epiphanies which means the maniac. So he's Antiochus <laughs> the maniac. And even though he gets the wow. power through his intrigue, the, the Jewish people uh, don't like him at all. You know, Nathan, and that, isn't that what power does to some of these leaders? I mean, they, they are almost like maniacs. You look at Hitler, you look at all these individuals, and, and you wonder what in the world is going on with these people, right? Well, you, you see these people come to power, and you wonder about their backgrounds. Take, for instance, like you said, Hitler. He was a house painter who would go to bars and rant and rave about uh, <laughs> the state of the society and the Jewish people and all, and he rose to power out of obscurity. Now here we got Antiochus Epiphanes, another guy. He, he's using bribery, he's using flattery, he has no right to the throne, but he rises up to power and now he's over the Seleucid Empire. And amazing. It reminds us of our, our current president. People that rise up out of nowhere, right? And they just... well, yeah, I mean, where did Barack Obama come from? <laughs> I mean, he, he seemed to come up from nowhere. And, and this is what this guy is. And he's just like President Obama. He's very eloquent of speech. He can read a teleprompter very well. <laughs> you know, he, uh, he people think he's cool. He's kind of like the new... Yeah. Uh, uh, Social media guru also, you know? Yeah, he's just like the man. And he comes in, he's the man. But it's not long before people realize that this is a veneer that hides that he is a, uh, a narcissist. He's a maniac. He's totally obsessed with himself and what he can achieve. And it's not long, and especially the Jewish people, as we'll read here, will um, have problems. Not only that, but the Egyptian people. And what he does here is he uses a peace plan with the Egyptians, that right. are the Seleucids, and he says, hey, let's have peace. But while the Egyptians are off guard thinking they're now finally in a, a term of peace, something that they, we haven't seen as, as the Seleucids and the Ptolemies duped it back and forth, he goes down and he sacks the Egyptians. Wow. He achieves what none of his predecessors does, the total defeat of the Egyptians. You know, Nathan, that's a great point. And, and I love what you just said there because that also reminds you of the other leader that is coming, right? Uh, and of course, you're going to talk to us a little bit about that later. Yes, definitely. Now, the, what we read about concerning the end-time ruler of the entire world, the Antichrist, as the Bible calls him, is that he will rise to power just like Antiochus Epiphanes. As a matter of fact, many theologians say that Antiochus Epiphanes is a type, he's a symbol, he's a uh, predecessor, he's an embodiment of 
what the one world leader, the Antichrist, will be like when he comes. Mm -hmm. And some people even try to pass off that Antiochus was the Antichrist, which is clearly not true. His right. scope of power was nowhere near what it should have been for. But he does something that the Antichrist will do. And this is what Antiochus Epiphanes does. Once he's defeated the Egyptians, he goes back to Jerusalem, mm -hmm. and he starts selling the position of high priest. In fact, wow. he, he sells the high, instead of being a descendant of Aaron, he sells it to the highest bidder, and it ends up being a man named Jason. He turns Jerusalem, instead of being the capital of the Jewish people, to a polis, a, a Greek city, and he begins what's called Hellenizing the Jews, forcing the Jewish people to become adopt the Greek lifestyle, the pagan Greek lifestyle. He builds his gymnasium, which today we like the gym, man. We right. like to work out. But the Jewish people, the gymnasium was a place of, of fornication and wow. open sex and glorification of the body. And uh, it was just, it shocked the Orthodox people. So what happens is there's a man named Menelaus, and he outbids Jason, and he gets the job. So what happens, though, is that Jason still wants the job of high priest. Mm -hmm. So he and Menelaus duke it out. They fight back and forth. And uh, Jason gets so into the heat of battle, they begin slaughtering his own people. And they exile him. Now, this is where Antiochus comes in. He's created this problem by putting the high priest's job up for auction. He's busy in Egypt, so he thinks there's a revolt going on back in Jerusalem. Wow. He turns around. He goes back to Jerusalem. He helps Menelaus get back in charge. He sacks the temple. Now, the Jewish people are desperate. They turn to the Romans, believe it or not, they turn to the Romans for help and ask the Romans to come. And the Romans tell Antiochus, you will leave Egyptian or the Palestinians. That's what he does. Antiochus leaves. He sends the general Apollonius in 167 BC into Jerusalem to punish the Jews. He slaughters the Jews on the Sabbath day because, you know, that's the day of rest. The Jews right. cannot resist. He tears down the Jewish defenses, he prohibits circumcision, he sets up pagan altars, and he forces the Jewish priests to eat pork or die. And brother, you know what the oh. Jewish people think about pork. <laughs> Not the greatest thing. You know, Nathan, I mean, it's just amazing to me the way that it also lines up with this Antichrist. That, it, that I mean, it's just, you know, amazing. Well, the story goes on, because even wow. though the, uh, the Romans told Antiochus to get out of there, Antiochus comes anyway. In 167 B.C., after his uh, general Apollonius has forced the Jewish people to become more paganized, Antiochus walks into the temple. He sets up a statue to Zeus, the head of the gods in the, in the Greek belief system. Wow. And he sacrifices a pig on the altar of God. Now, everything that Antiochus does is to say to the Jewish people, Yahweh is is no more. Zeus is the ultimate god. He defiles the temple, and this forces the Jewish people to flee out in the wilderness. And the Jewish people call this the abomination that causes desolation. You know, Nathan, now, and of course, there are other parts of the Bible, like Matthew chapter 24, that also mentions certain things like this, of what the Antichrist is going to do. But I mean, that is the most abominable thing for a Jewish people. I mean, here in Miami, the Cubans, we eat a lot of pork, okay? <laughs> a lot of lechon. <laughs> we have ham for Thanksgiving. We got ham for Thanksgiving, right? But we, we're not going to invite any of our Jewish friends over for that because it is a, it's yeah. like an appalling thing. And then to do that in the temple of God, it, it's just amazing. Well, it's the worst thing you could do in the temple. I mean, you're taking the Jewish Mosaic law, which God gave Moses that says, don't eat pork, right. it's an unclean animal. 
In other words, that you could get lots of diseases and things from it. So, you know, most of the Mosaic Law was, was there to help the Jewish people who were slaves now on their own to survive out in the wilderness, and they had all these health laws. And to a Jewish person, the uh, pig was considered the most detestable, the most unclean thing possible. And that's what, what um, Antiochus is doing. He goes in, he desecrates the temple, and it causes the Jewish people to flee out of Jerusalem, to run away. And this is exactly what the Antichrist will yes. do. One day, the Antichrist, in the middle of the seven-year tribulation, will go into a newly built Jewish temple. Mm -hmm. not built yet, but it will be built, we're told, a third temple. And he will go in, he will desecrate the temple, he will likely sacrifice a pig on the altar, just like Antiochus did. But instead of setting Zeus up to be worshipped, he will set an image of himself up to be worshipped. I mean, that's a lot of gall. You know, Nathan, and history repeats itself, right, Nathan? And it's just amazing how uh, the Jewish people, sad enough, uh, you know, don't don't understand their Bible, don't understand their biblical history. And, and it's just amazing because the sad thing is, at the end of the day, they're going to be the ones caught in the middle of this crossfire, and millions are going to lose their lives. Very true, very true. This will happen again to Israel. And it's interesting that, like you said, Matthew 24 and other passages tell us, that this one world ruler Antichrist will be like Antiochus Epiphanes. Right. He'll rise to power through flattery and intrigue. All the world will be mesmerized by his charisma and his ability, but he'll be totally contemptible, just like Antiochus Epiphanes. And I believe because he's possessed by Satan, he'll be totally mad. He'll be yeah. obsessed with the Jewish people and destroying the Jewish people, even though he creates a seven-year peace treaty with Jewish people, as we read about in Daniel 9, mm. is that he will break it midway by walking into the temple where no Gentile is allowed, he will sacrifice on the altar likely a pig and set his own image up to be worshipped by the world. I mean, <laughs> when the Bible says contemptible, this is as contemptible as you can get. Excellent point, Nathan. Again, you're tuning into The Truth Will Set Free, Bible Prophecy TV, Raider Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, as we're looking at Daniel chapter 11, talking about rise of the empire, God's mighty angels in the book of Daniel. Again, if you have any questions or comments, you can text us at 305-992-9537 or 321-END-TIME, 321-363-8463. You know, Nate, this passage is just amazing because we find here uh, just the accuracy. And, and anybody that just looks at history, right, Nathan, they can really actually look at history and see also in history how all these things came about. Well, this isn't something that you just read in the Bible and there's no historical corroboration whatsoever. I mean, this is written in Roman documents and right. Syrian documents and Egyptian documents. This is well testified historically that this is exactly what happened. That is part of the beauty of the Bible. Yes. It's not like the Bible is just a bunch of stories that can only be found in the Bible. There is archaeology, there is history, there is writings that confirm everything that's in the Bible. And over time, as some things have been lost to, to history, and have been found archaeologically, yeah. it amazes the world. It, it proves that the, the Bible is the Word of God. Because there's no other ancient texts which are so corroborated like the Bible is. Nathan, that's a great point. And that's why we pray for anyone watching and anyone listening that this is why the Bible is so trustworthy. All the promises, all the blessings also that are promised there, uh, they will come true. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So Nathan, also the good news about these prophetic things is that if all these things are being fulfilled and will be fulfilled, 
so are all the promises that God has for his people, right? Amen. I mean, it's interesting that the Jewish people were forewarned about this. Now, they didn't have a great detailed history, obviously, fills in the gaps when we read what Daniel 11 says. But God wanted Daniel and the Jewish people to know what was coming ahead. And God wants us, his church, to know what's coming ahead, too. And like Antiochus Epiphany, there is a time coming for uh, the Jewish people and those Christians will be saved during the tribulation. And they will have to experience it. They will actually live through seeing the Antichrist desecrate the temple. With our technology, brother, you can be sure the whole world will be watching this on TV. That's right. <laughs> and Nathan, it's just amazing. And of course, hopefully the whole world is not going to have glitches like our station is having right now. But <laughs> everything will be right. And also the Bible tells us that in Revelation chapter 11 with the technology and everything else that's going on. So, you know, Nathan, I think... Uh, the, the thing for anyone watching and listening to know is that we live, we're living in really, really exciting times for the church and for people that are listening to us. Uh, the main thing is for them to know that all of what we're saying, all these blessings are found in our relationship uh, with Jesus Christ. And our hope is that people will turn to the Lord now uh, while there is still time because we believe the Lord can come at any moment. And you know, Nathan, I know we only have a few minutes left of the program, but we always like to stop for a minute and talk to that person listening or talk to that person watching and encourage them to come to the Lord uh, today because today is the day of salvation. And Nate, would you be able to share with that person maybe briefly just how they can come to Christ right now from wherever they are? Well, one thing about Daniel 11, which is fascinating, is that we just read the worst time in the lives of the Jewish people. They have had many difficult times throughout history, but when the Antichrist, I should say, Antiochus came in and desecrated the temple, it was one of the worst times for them. And we see so many Christians today suffering through what are some of the worst times in their life, whether they're going through uh, traumatic events here, or especially Christians abroad, as they suffer under ISIS and, uh, and other terrorist groups, that we know that uh, difficult times will come to us, yes. but we know that God's plan will car be carried out, and we can have our trust and hope in Jesus Christ, knowing that He's looking out for us, mm -hmm. and even during our difficult times, He wants to walk with us and talk with us and take care of us, but we need to be in Jesus' hands, and how do we do that? We need to be saved, yes. and to be saved means our sins are forgiven. We are saved from our sins, which send us to hell, and Jesus Christ, He died on the cross, to take your, the punishment for your sins upon himself. And all you have to do is accept Jesus Christ in faith and pray in your heart, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And he promises that he will save you from your sins. You will be in his hand, and you know that you can have hope in the future that he gives, that he's walking with you and taking care of you. Woo, excellent. Wow, Nathan, what a wonderful promise and what a wonderful way of putting it. And what a wonderful word of encouragement for those of you that are watching and listening. God loves you. And he has a wonderful, wonderful plan for, for, for your lives. And here in the book of Daniel, we see these revelations being unraveled. And we see the next stages of those things are things that we're going to see uh, developing in our own time. As we talked about uh, the development of Israel becoming a nation and a state. So Nathan, again, as we talk about the rise of these empires, uh, again, uh, not only is it historical, but it's also prophetically, archaeological, uh, and uh, the rest of these empires that will be rising, of course, some uh, came and went, as you talked to us about. And then, of course, the Roman Empire is one that also collapsed, but in a sense, it was sort of divided. Can you talk to us a little bit about the following verses there? 
Well, we're, of course, now we've got the Roman Empire in the scene here, so this is going to be huge to the Jewish people. They actually, can you believe it? They went to the Romans asking for help to deal with the Greeks. <laughs> but you pay for the Romans' help. I mean, once you yeah. help, they help you, they don't leave. They <laughs> sound like the Russians invading right. Ukraine. They, they say they're helping, but once they're done, they don't go away. And it'll be the same in Syria. Russia will go into Syria, but it's not like they're going to leave. And this is what we're getting here. Now the Romans are involved. So we're, uh, I don't know if we have time, but the next segment goes from 25 to 28. And it will continue more of the evilness that Antiochus Epiphanes uh, will represent, will achieve during his lifetime. Well, Nathan, I think you made a good point. I think we always like to live, leave our audience with a cliffhanger. Same bad time. <laughs> yeah, same, same bad channel. Same bad channel. No, but I think that would be perfect. Maybe we can just give them that for homework, right, Nathan? So they can maybe prepare themselves. Yeah, just keep reading on through Daniel 11, and then our next uh, show we will definitely cover. Absolutely. Well, Nathan, you know, time goes so quickly. And, Nate, I want to thank you so much for being part of our program and for, again, unraveling for us this very difficult passage. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord, brother. Thank you again for having me on. Uh, you have a great day. And also, we want to thank you all for tuning in. Again, Vic Batista, Nathan Jones, you've been tuning in to the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy TV Radio edition. Remember, our lines will remain open, 305-992-9537, in case you are in need of prayer. But may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Keep your eyes up because the Lord can come at any moment. Have a great day.